Now that Lincoln Riley is at USC, how much harder is it going to be for Oregon to get great players out of the state of California the way they've done in the last few years? We'll discuss with Max Torres, who covers the Ducks for Fan Nation. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin, D1 play-by-play broadcaster and lifelong Oregon Ducks fan. Thanks for making this your first listen or your first view. If you're watching on YouTube every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks. Like, comment, subscribe wherever you're listening to or watching this show. I appreciate all of you who have done so already. I'm joined today by Max Torres covering the Ducks for Fan Nation on the Sports Illustrated Network. Max, welcome back to Locked on Ducks, back by uh, kind of popular demand, by the way. I had some fans hop in the comments and say, hey, you should you should do a show with Max. Hey, you should bring Max back on. We'll ask and you shall receive, everybody. Here be Max Torres. Yes, we're, we're here. Glad to uh, be back, Spencer. Always uh, always appreciate you reaching out to have me on. So uh, excited to talk some Ducks, and uh, sounds like we're going to do some more recruiting talk. Oh, we're we're always doing recruiting talk here because it's you know, 70 80% of the battle in college football. But Oregon has had an unusually high level of success bringing kids to Eugene from the state of California. Mario Cristobal and company did a really good job with all of that. But now Lincoln Riley is at USC and Trojan fans are hoping that he's going to be able to restart them and restore them to their former glory and such. I think he'll be able to have a lot of success, but it might take a year or two longer than people perhaps think. But let's look at it from a recruiting perspective. Now that Lincoln Riley's there and USC is no longer kind of a, a laughing stock compared to what they have been in the last few years under Clay Helton. You have one of the most respected offensive minds in college football, who's also a good recruiter at the helm. How do you see Oregon's recruiting future in California playing out? Yeah, I want to touch on one of the things that you said. I mean, USC is no longer a laughingstock on the recruiting trail. We haven't seen squat on the field yet. I'm just going to say like, there's a lot that needs to be worked out. We still have to see what the on-field product looks like in a real game. But as far as, you know, how Lincoln Riley being at or uh, at USC kind of affects things for Oregon, I think it's definitely going to make those battles for the top in-state prospects in California that much more heavily contested. Um, and I think also, particularly the guys in Southern California, those are going to be the ones that are really, really hard. I'm not saying that they're not going to ultimately commit to Oregon, but there's going to be guys that USC is going to be much more of a threat for now that they have a, a more legitimate head coach. Um, your, your guys coming out of the St. John Bosco's out of the modern days, out of the Servites, you know, pick your, pick your poison as far as the elite programs in that Trinity league and the Southern California section. So, you know, there's a bunch of guys that both of these teams are going after both these schools are going after. So we're going to continue to see a lot of crossover, uh, as far as both those schools pursuing them. And then I think another interesting part that kind of factors into this whole recruiting battle is that with so with USC being where it is, there's so many opportunities for these guys to get to campus, whether it just be a quick weekend trip, a midweek trip. Those happen all the time. People fly across the country, for example, like if they, they are going after some Florida talent, they fly across the country for a camp in LA. And then the recruits saying, oh, hey, I'm out here. I might as well go check out USC. That's not something that happens to Oregon a lot. So I think particularly with Lincoln Riley being at the helm now, I think I've already seen him do a much better job, I think, than Clay Helton did of getting those top local guys to campus and doing it often. 
when you think about how much success Oregon has had and how much they can have going forward, I, I think it's reasonable to assume it won't be the sort of like almost borderline domination that, that Oregon has had over the last few years. Not that they've gotten every top player, but the Justin flows, the Kayvon Thibodeau's of the world among many others. T-Mac. You're, you said yeah, T-Mac. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so I, I think you're, it's reasonable to assume you're not going to have that same level of success. But do you think that Dan Lanning and this staff that he's assembled, you know, Carlos Lachlan, who's just looking like a home run as a recruiter, Junior Adams, Adrian Clem, Tosh Lupoy, Kenny Dillingham, Matt Pallage, all these assistants, do you think they can replicate even like 75, 80% of the success Oregon has had in California over the last four years or so? Yeah, I'd say that they can. Because you have to think about it, Spencer, Lincoln Riley's an elite recruiter for sure, and he's gotten some really good guys to join him on that staff. But Oregon has been winning on the field a lot more recently than USC has. And I feel like that's probably part of the reason that they were able to beat out USC for Josh Connerly. If you look at the myriad amount of factors that were in play there, uh, you know, Oregon's been really producing offensive line talent at a high level. But look at how this staff's composed. You have Dan Lanning, who regardless of where you put him, is you know the face of that program and, and is a very strong recruiter. And then you have Tosh Lapoy, who is a Northern California native, but really, really well connected throughout that entire state. Then you have Demetrius Martin, who is a Southern California guy, uh, as well as Adrian Clem. I think he's also from Southern California. So those connections are absolutely there. Um, I just think it's going to be a lot more heavily contested um, when you're looking at guys that USC is going after. I'm sure there's going to be, you know, a handful of guys every class that 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 USC staff says we're going all in on this guy and like we we can't take no for an answer. So I think Oregon can definitely replicate that success. It's going to be a lot harder I think uh to get some of these guys and and you also have to look at um UCLA. I think they're worth a mention not in terms of being a recruiting power, but their 2023 class right now is entirely comprised of Southern California guys. Roderick Robinson, the Lincoln running back out of San Diego pledged there and then you also have another San Diego guy, Trey Edwards, out of modern-day Catholic, uh, where the Ducks found C.J. Verdell and Darren Barkins. They, those two guys announced their commitment to the Bruins uh, not too long ago. So USC is absolutely the main threat in California, but it looks like Chip Kelly is starting to get his act together a little bit as far as prioritizing recruiting, which really isn't something he did too much at Oregon, was really more of a, a system developmental guy, and he definitely got the most out of so many of his players. Uh, but that's not necessarily the, the way that college football works for everybody now. Uh, another guy like that is Kyle Whittingham at Utah, not known as a recruiting powerhouse, but getting the right guys that he wants, and, and clearly that's been paying off for him. And now they have a Pac-12 title to uh, you know back them and, and just uh, elevate their recruiting acumen. So I think it's going to be harder, no doubt. But, um, I mean, I have every bit of confidence in this Oregon staff that they're going to be able to match, if not exceed, what Mario Cristobal and his staff were able to do on the recruiting trail. Yeah, I mean, it was already – there have already been, I should say, two battles where it was Oregon and USC, and Connerly was expected to go to the Trojans. Instead, he comes to the Ducks, and Jalil Florence was the other one where he was down to Oregon and USC, and that was after Lincoln Riley had had already been hired by the Trojans. And to be fair to USC, which is a sentence that will probably get me blasted by every Oregon fan watching this right now, I, I'm with you. The on-field results haven't been there for USC, but I think right now the selling point is not the Trojans brand. The selling point is Lincoln Riley because his on-field results 
have been there and he has recruited well. He has sent guys to the NFL. And now with the 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 rule change with regards to the transfer portal, you can just reload so quickly. And USC is doing that. UCLA, by the way, is also doing that. They have a top five transfer portal class. So I think that's one way where it's a little bit easier for recruits probably to detach the on-field results from what they have now because you have the new coaching staff in there. And Lincoln Riley, you know, he's had his name thrown around for NFL jobs and he's, you know, had two Heisman Trophy winners. He's got three starters in the NFL. He's only been a head coach for four seasons. I mean, I don't know why Jalen Hurts is a starter, but I guess he's a starter ish I'm like okay that's, that's an entirely entirely yeah, that's that's an entirely different conversation and such and we're going to have one about uh what states oregon does need to hit hard in addition to california but first of all mind you bet online is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info you can find all the latest developments news and odds including this year's basketball championship matchup with the warriors and the celtics the nhl hockey conference finals major league baseball go mariners and of course all the latest fighting news from mma and ufc to boxing yeah max is all about los gigantes that's spanish for giants for those of you who uh dropped out of spanish one in high school because he didn't like it bet online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information including live betting esports and more head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action bet online is where the game starts March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. So I expect the Ducks to still be able to recruit in California. They'll still get guys, just maybe not quite at the level they did when when USC was down and Chip is not uh, known as a great recruiter. It's not something that he really likes to do anyway. So USC is your big competition down there. I expect it to be a step back, but still be very strong. When you think about where the staff needs to recruit on a, on a national level, you can go to any state. You can go to Rhode Island here if you want to, Max. I mean, Rhode Island, Maine. Apparently, Canada's got some guys that they're sending via via high schools, high school football programs up there. You got all sorts of choices. When you think about where the staff needs to recruit nationally, what states they need to be able to hit outside of California, where are you looking? Yeah, there's definitely a, a few that come to mind. I think just staying closer to the West Coast because I think those are more in your uh you know in your sweet spot uh i think that um a couple states that come to mind are washington washington's definitely been producing a lot of guys lately everybody knows about Jaden wayne he's the top prospect out of washington and then you have caleb presley who's one of the top cornerbacks in the country both of those guys have been to eugene numerous times definitely frequent visitors another guy that's probably worth mentioning is micah ben willis he's an offensive lineman out of kennedy catholic over there on the west side uh, so those kind of are some names that come to mind with Washington and then Arizona is another one that's really, really on the come up, uh, you know, look no further than uh, Cole Martin, uh, the corner committed out of Basha high school. And we're already seeing Oregon continue to push deeper into that state as well, even in the 2024 class with uh, more offers to fellow Basha bears with uh, Damon Williams jr. He's a really, really high level quarterback and he's got some big visits planned this year, recently into the Oregon offer. 
talked to him on my podcast, by the way, uh, Miles Lockhart, who I talked to their coach and he told me that he thinks that he's like just as explosive and as athletic as Cole just a year behind him. So they're really setting up roots in Arizona as well. And it makes sense. Why wouldn't you, when you have guys like Kenny Dillingham uh, on that staff, who's definitely, and then Dan Lanning as well, right? He had the GA spot at uh, Arizona state. If memory serves, I believe that's the position he held. So those are two. And then another one is Utah. Utah has been really, really good to the ducks in recent years. You see the Sewell brothers, you see Jackson powers, Johnson, Jeffrey Bassa. Um, you can, you know, go down the line. Um, so those are the ones kind of out west, but then as we're starting to push east, which is where the farther east you go, the more talented really the states get. And I'm going to really uh, hone in on the Lone Star State here, right? Texas is huge. Uh, they were able to get back into Texas after they lost all of their Texas commits in the 2022 class when they got Kamari Terrell, a defensive back out of Shoemaker High School out there in Killeen, Texas. I know that they're really happy about that, a guy with a ton of track speed. Uh, that they're excited to unleash in that secondary. And then you have the number one defensive lineman in 2023, David Hicks. He's going to be on campus uh, June 17th, I believe, for his official visit is what he told me, uh, coming out to Oregon. And then you also have Tyler Turner, the former Baylor safety commit. He's down to Oregon and Oklahoma. He made that cut after he uh, visited earlier in the spring. So those are a couple guys to keep an eye on there. And then uh, a couple different running backs there. And if you're going to keep going, uh, out east, uh, Louisiana's one that I think is another one to keep an eye on. You have Caleb Jackson, the 2023 Baton Rouge running back. He's really feeling Oregon. Um, and uh, Ricky Collins, who's a quarterback to keep an eye on. I wrote a story up about him a little bit ago. He's committed to Purdue right now, but Oregon's kind of uh, doing a little bit of a contingency plan at quarterback. I think we might be getting that later in the show. But Baton, uh, Louisiana, and then the last one that I want to hit on, actually two. I don't want to take too much time, but I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to keep rolling. You got, here. All, the, you got all the time you need, my man. Um, another one is Missouri. Missouri is one that's really interesting. I think that we saw the Cristobal staff start to tap into Missouri a little bit more. Uh, I feel like they were in a really good spot um, to get Kevin Coleman, uh, who was out of Missouri uh, last cycle, but obviously he ended up at Jackson state along with Travis Hunter and a crazy close by Deion Sanders and the Jackson state staff. Um, but, um, Jeremiah loves a big time running back out of, um, St. Louis, I believe it is that you got to keep an eye on. I know that's definitely one of Carlos Lachlan's top targets in the 23 class. So Missouri's one to keep an eye on. And, uh, obviously can, uh, you have Dan Lanning, who's a Kansas city native, I think it's West or North Kansas city around there, but I think he's, North, I think he's North Kansas city. Okay. Yeah. So Missouri ties nonetheless, and you definitely want to tap into those connections on your staff and then. I'd say another school or another state that is probably the hardest would be Florida. We're seeing them offer guys just left and right in the SEC footprint. And uh, Florida is just overflowing with talent. Same goes for Georgia. Um, but, I mean, we saw what happened when they got another good guy out of Florida recently. Look at Brandon Dorless. He's just a baller. So um, I'd say those are kind of – maybe that's like seven or eight states. But you got to keep uh, – you got to get your bread and butter guys out west because you probably have a more realistic shot with those guys and then keep pushing that footprint and expanding and using that national brand. Yeah, I think Arizona's got a little bit more of a rich history when you're talking about in-state recruits than Washington does. But, you know, I was actually randomly having a conversation with my parents uh, not that long ago, and the population of the state of Washington came up. It's like 7 million people. I, I, I literally did not know that. I assumed because Oregon is around 4, and I think Utah is around 
three. I thought Washington was in that same mold. I was like, I made four and a half, five. No, I'm pretty sure it's like seven ish million people. And the more people you have, the more likely it is you're going to have a, a greater, a greater depth of talent when you're looking at the high school scene. So I, I was really surprised at, at that. And I think Oregon so far has done a good job recruiting out of the state of Washington. We'll see where Jaden Wayne goes. I think that's a big name, but Davey Uli came out of the state of Washington as well. Connor Lee is from there. He went to Rainier beach. Like there's just all of a sudden a lot of, of high caliber talent coming out of, uh, of the state and Washington is just not at a place uh, as a football program where they're, dominating in-state in-state recruiting they haven't done that for for it seems like quite a while now so the opportunity to do that a little bit the way that that Oregon did when USC was down hopping into California and just taking advantage of that I think is something that the Ducks should absolutely be looking to do and I I think they clearly are when you look at the sorts of players that that they're interested in but yeah what Washington Arizona I I think the talent pool is only going to continue to grow because that's kind of been the trend in each of those states over the last couple of years. Uh, another trend that we're all familiar with at this point is transfers in the program, out of the program, leaving the program, but then deciding to stay with the program. I mean, you see it all in, in the transfer portal, right? And, and there's a wide receiver who the Ducks brought in who's a little bit under the radar you might not have heard about. But after I, uh, or we will get to that, after I tell you that uh, you have to love chewy, chocolatey brownie. I mean, who doesn't? What if you took a caramel brownie with caramel swirled on top. Would you eat that, Max? Would you eat that just straight up? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I would eat that too. What if I told you you can have all that chewy, chocolatey, caramely deliciousness plus 17 grams of protein? You're in luck because caramel brownie bars are available at Built.com right now. And you got to act fast because they are a fan favorite and they're going out quick. Only four grams of sugar. You can go to Built.com, use promo code LOCK15, get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. So a lot of transfer portal moves for the Ducks have, you know, kind of been splashy or they make a lot of headlines, but sometimes they just kind of slide under the radar a little bit. You know, I don't know if you're a big golfer, Max, but it's like a guy who shoots one or two over the first day, but then he comes back with a low 66 and he just slides himself right into contention, right? Just kind of flying under the radar a little bit, but Caleb Chapman is the guy that, that I've been teasing all of you Duck fans out there about for the last 60 seconds or so. And he comes over from Texas A&M and it, it didn't make a ton of news. I think that's probably because of, of his background a little bit. And I'll, I'll let you dive into that. What, 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 what should Duck fans expect from him? Yeah, I think um, for, for me, when I kind of started to dive in a little bit more about the, the Chapman news, it was kind of funny how it came about. I think he, either he or his trainer tied to me in like a training video. And I was like, I don't even know who this guy is. And then, and then obviously it developed that, that he had gone to Oregon and I don't think he really announced it. I was seeing reports that, that they had like confirmed other reporters had confirmed with him that he was going and then he eventually confirmed it with me. So I was like, okay, yeah, we can roll on this. Um, but yeah, I think the biggest thing with, with him is I feel like after the wide receiver room, uh, changed so much at the end of last season. You had guys getting hurt like Johnny Johnson and Jalen Red, and then Mike Pittman left. So there was just so much attrition over the course of uh, you know the end of last season that you were left with a room that was super young and super unproven. Make sure that you're not getting that confused with not talented because that's obviously not what I'm saying, and that's not the reality of it because we saw a lot of that talent on display in the Alamo Bowl and the spring game when we really got to cut things loose. But um, – Case in point, Oregon's wide receiver room was not 
laden with veterans, which is kind of what you want ideally at any position. So what has the staff done? They bring in Chase Coda and then now Caleb Chapman. I think that he's kind of a guy that has a little bit more of a background as a speedy guy. Uh, I believe he was a, a, a former, former four-star recruit coming out of the high school rankings. And uh, he's listed on the AM website as 6'5", 200 pounds. So it's definitely good to add another vertical threat, especially with what we saw in the spring game. It looks like this staff is pretty intent on pushing the ball down the field. So a guy that I think has, um, you know, kind of a high ceiling, but maybe not the highest floor, just because he isn't that proven at the college level. Uh, played four seasons at Texas A&M after redshirting in 2018. He did suffer two season-ending, uh, I think the one of them it says on the website is a leg in, a season-ending leg injury in 2020. And then in 2018, when he redshirted, he had a season-ending injury after appearing in two games. So not a guy that has a ton of stats to kind of speak for, like not a really extensive body of work. Um, but I think he's someone that can definitely probably get in that rotation somehow. And even if he doesn't play a lot, Spencer, I think that just having a veteran guy in that room is going to really help a lot with, with some, some of these young wideouts uh, that are really trying to kind of make a name for themselves and are looking forward to hopefully being utilized a whole heck of a lot more than they were in 2021. Yeah, I think the reason it, it kind of flew under the radar is, you know, the stats aren't really there because the injuries are there. And that's what stands out the most is, you know, what what he's essentially most well known for at this point in his career is he's, you know, got a big frame, 6'5", 200, but he's just and, and he's fast as well. But he just hasn't been able to stay on the field. And I think you might see him catch a ball every now and then. I mean, he reminds me a lot of Dante Thornton, right? I mean, from a, a body type perspective, it's that sort of build. So I think Oregon's got a plethora of bodies for, for pass catchers that are kind of working in the slot are going to work over the middle of the field. You know, your Chris Hudson's chase Coda's seven McGee's Troy Franklin's as well. And then you have the tight ends. I think he's a little bit more of an outside guy, like a Kyler Casper as well, who, you know, project more as like the, the, the Z receiver, they call him. I mean, you know, going to run a, a lot of nine balls, a lot of deep posts and try to beat you over the top and use that frame to make some contested catches as well. Uh, let's shift back to, old-fashioned recruiting as it's becoming, right? I mean, you know, transfer portal is just like the new thing. But, you know, high school recruiting does still, in fact, matter, despite what you may be told and such. Oregon doesn't have a quarterback commit right now in the 2023 class. Still a long ways out. I don't think we should expect them to have that at this point in time, but it doesn't mean they aren't hot on the trail after a couple of big-time names. We've talked about them here on the show. You and I have, and I've mentioned them in other episodes as well. Jaden Rashada out of California and Dante Moore out of Michigan. Those are kind of the two biggest names there. I, I want to ask you, Max, as you look at the first full recruiting class that Dan Lanning and the staff are going to fill out, how important do you think it is that they have a big time quarterback in that cycle? I'd say it's pretty important for a couple of reasons. Uh, the first one that comes to mind is just because so often as it goes with recruiting is the quarterback becomes the face of your class. Is this class going to be a letdown if they don't have a big time quarterback? Not necessarily because the situation right now with their quarterback room is that you have some guys that I think could be ready to play. Maybe even as soon as this year, everybody is, is uh, you know, I think relatively on the same page as far as it looks like it's Bo Nix's job right now, as we exited spring ball, but something could happen in the fall in fall camp and maybe Thompson or Butterfield emerges but um, even if you only have Knicks for a year, I think he has two years of eligibility, but let's just operate off the assumption that he gets the job and he plays a year, does well, and then tries his hand at the league. 
you still have some guys that have been at Oregon for a while and, you know, it's not a dire situation, but I know that both of those guys, you want to get them reps and just get them experience, which is why I hope for Oregon's sake that they can, you know, really handle some of these teams this year so that you can get those guys valuable snaps when the game's kind of put away. That was one of my, um, you know, criticisms of last year. Sure. You're winning, but you're barely winning a lot of these times. And that's why these two other quarterbacks are so green because they're not getting reps. So I think it's definitely important for them to get a good quarter, a, a big name quarterback, just because it'll, we've seen the ripple effects, right? After Ty Thompson committed in uh, March, right before the pandemic shut things down, that was just a huge domino effect. And that class just took off. Um, so we know that it's probably safe to say that getting a guy like a Jaden Rashada or a Dante Moore would really, really help things um, because they already have some really solid guys in the fold. So I think it's important um, for sure, especially because Kenny Dillingham is such a young coach. Um, you know, he's obviously the offensive coordinator and the quarterback's coach. So if he's able to sign uh, a big name quarterback, I think that that could really give him some momentum, not just him, the whole staff, but for him just looking at his position, I think that could really help him, um, you know, just have some more confidence, not saying that he's lacking it by any means, but if you can get that, you know, get a good quarterback at probably your biggest job, I'd say, you know, aside from Florida state and, and Auburn, um, I think that could really help kind of catapult him into saying, Hey, look who I got in 23. Now I want you to be my, my big time guy in 24 kind of things of that nature. Yeah. As you were bringing up that point about not seeing a lot of the the backup quarterbacks because the ducks have struggled, you know, the last four seasons or so to, to really put teams away. And you just have these moments where you're like, Oh, did, what, why isn't this game over? Like, we're probably going to win, but why shouldn't, you know, why am I only 80% confident that we're going to win instead of 99%? I was just thinking back to like all the Oregon backup quarterbacks over the years. Like we used to see a lot more Brian Bennett. We used to see a lot more, you know, uh, of the guys who were, who were behind the starters, right? It just used to happen a lot more than, than it does now. Bennett was a guy who stuck out the the most to me when I was running through it. Do you have any other backup quarterbacks that, uh, that are, that are never going to be lost in the Oregon fandom? Um, no oh God. Uh, no one really comes to mind. I mean, he Jeff looked Lockie, like he was either, but not in a Jeff Lockie, yeah, but not in a good way. Not in a good way. Um, <laughs> Dakota Prukop should have been the backup, but he, wasn't he got that. he got handed the keys to the car to start the season, and and then that kind of just went up in flames. And then we saw Herbie come in. So, uh, yeah, not not really as far as backups. I mean, Tra- Travis Johnson, I thought he was kind of promising, and and then he kind of moved around. Um, so it's it's definitely been oh, and Braxton Burmeister, but he played a lot but that was really because i feel like herbert yeah. got hurt so mm-hmm. i'm just trying to run through some names that might people might remember but maybe not the best memories with uh backups and oregon quarterbacks yeah yeah no i i just i do still feel that you know oregon's got to be better with with this staff at at putting teams putting teams away not not solely for the purpose of getting your backup quarterback or backup receivers or running backs reps but just because you don't want to have to go through that every week because at some point when you fail to put teams away, a Stanford is going to happen circa 2021. Like 99% of the time, you're going to be fine to end up winning the game, but then there'll be that one time and you look back and go, what, why didn't they, why were they not able to just put the game away? It should not have been close, but that's perhaps a, a longer conversation. Last thing I want to ask you here is class of 2023 Early recruiting signs, really, really good with the staff so far. I'm pleased with the caliber of players that they're getting verbal commitments from and the caliber of players that they're pursuing on both sides of the ball as well. One name who's still out there 
who I, I would just be shocked if if he came back. But then again, I said for weeks and weeks on this show, I can't imagine Will Richardson is coming back. I don't think Will Richardson is coming back. And then Will Richardson decided, hey, I'm going to come back to the Ducks. And I was like, okay, that's, that's totally fine. So I've been wrong before. But Richard Young is a five-star running back in the class of 2023. He's got some big-time schools after him. Oregon's going to get his last or uh, official visit, and Ohio State is not. You were talking to me about that before we came on to record. So Oregon's still squarely in the mix at a position group that I see now as being pretty deep, pretty talented, and pretty young as well. Is there, no pun intended, a chance that the Ducks could uh, could get Richard Young in the class of 2023? Yeah, there's absolutely a chance. Anytime you can get an official visit from a guy of his caliber or really any prospect, you definitely have a chance. I think something that a lot of people maybe don't understand super clearly is that um, just as an official visit is really valuable for a recruit, it's also really valuable for a school. You only get so many official visits, I feel like, and and you don't want to waste an official on a guy that you don't feel like you have a good shot with. Um, So I think that's another aspect that really factors into this one. And again, This is why I feel like I was so confident about the Oregon staff, even when it was a little slow as far as getting commits rolling because of the caliber of talent that they were bringing out to campus unofficially. Florida is not somewhere that's easy to fly to fly from to get to Eugene, but they still got Richard Young on campus for that unofficial. They got Caden Proctor for an unofficial. He's from Iowa. Uh, They got Samson Okunlola all the way from Massachusetts. And now those guys are, um, I don't think Samson is uh, locked in his officials just yet, but Proctor and then we have a young also. Those guys are going to be coming on officials. So Oregon's definitely still in the mix here. I think it definitely doesn't hurt. If anything, I think it helps you that you're getting what is going to be his last official visit. So it's always great to kind of have that last chance to leave that really big impression. Um, but some other schools there, you know, aren't going to make that easy. Um, I think that Billy Napier and the Florida staff have already really elevated the, the recruiting prowess of, of that uh, or the recruiting outlook, rather, of that program. That was one of the chief reasons, I think, that Florida decided to part ways with Dan Mullen is because he just wasn't getting it done on the recruiting trail. And you've seen Billy Napier come in really quick there in, in Gainesville and just say, hey, we're not going to operate like that. Recruiting is important, and we are in one of the most talented states in the country. So I know that Florida has hosted him numerous times um, on campus for visits. So that's going to be a really big school as far as the competition goes and then Alabama is another one I really feel like Richard Young is probably their top guy except um, the only other guy that I would maybe mention there is uh, I believe his name is Cedric Baxter he's one of the the top running backs in the country for 23 and uh, he recently said he was really you know feeling Alabama so kind of got to see what some of these other schools do but I know that Oregon would love to have a power duo at running back Dante Dowdell is a, a very solid piece to that puzzle um, but Richard Young was, would certainly be uh, a great addition for Oregon as well. And um, it looks like the, the interest is, is definitely mutual. So no timeline for him just yet as far as the commitment goes. But you got him and, and then a host of other running backs that the Ducks are, are still looking at. Max Torres of Fan Nation covering the Ducks on the Sports Illustrated Network. Love having you on as always, Max. The people ask for you, and of course, we we deliver when the people ask because this be the people's show, the Ducks show specifically. Thanks for coming on, man. Hey, appreciate you having me, and, and thanks to everybody that's uh, supporting the show, supporting my show, and and just helping uh, you know keep that good Duck content flowing. 
Yep, plenty of it out there, and I uh, appreciate you making this your first listen. Go make Locked On Pac-12 your second. I'm hosting, talking about everything you need to know about the Conference of Champions. I appreciate everyone listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and go Ducks.